Go with me again to Galatians, the third chapter, verse we've been looking at last couple of weeks. I thought I was going to minister one message on redeemed from the curse of the law, and uh, you've seen that before, haven't you? But that's all right. The great thing about us having a, a church family is we can come back. We got got our own buildings, got our own place. We can just have a, we can have a fifty message series if we want to, right? We can just keep going, going, and going. Galatians three and thirteen. If you don't have these verses marked, if you're not familiar with them, pay attention. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us. Hallelujah. A lot of Christians would believe that without hesitation, but they don't read the rest of the verse. I'm redeemed. From what? What does that mean? You're redeemed. A lot of times people just stand right there. I'm redeemed and Praise God, praise God, I'm redeemed. You're redeemed from what? To redeem means to buy or to purchase or to buy back. And it it particularly applies to somebody purchasing a slave's freedom. It specifically applies to that. And this is perfect understanding of this because Through Adam and through our own mistakes and sins, we had sold ourselves. We had lost ourselves. And we were not in a position to get ourselves back. We could not pay the ransom. We could not pay the price. And 1 Peter says we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Silver and gold couldn't buy us. Couldn't get it. There was only one thing. Valuable enough and powerful enough in all the universe to buy us. It was and it is the precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God. Oh, it makes me want to run around the room. Just to say it. Woo. Glory to God. That means so much more than our head realizes. For one thing, the next time the enemy tries to tell you how worthless you are. And don't tell me he's never tried to tell you that. I know he has. And he'll try every chance he can get. Bring some kind of thought, some kind of feeling, some kind of something to tell you that you're just... You're not worth much. Why then did the Lord pay so much for you? The highest price that has ever been paid for anything was paid for you. The highest price that will ever be paid for anything is for you. It doesn't come any more valuable than the precious blood. Of the spotless lamb. Because the life is in the blood. It's the life. Of the master. Which is the life of God. Himself. Oh hallelujah. What am I talking about? We've been. Redeemed. Bought. By the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that purchase. Made us. Free. Free from what? Oh, that's the question we need to answer. Specifically, this verse says, we've been, look at it, verse 13. Christ has done what? Redeemed us from. Everybody say from. You see, a lot of folks will just say, well, I've been redeemed. That means I'm going to heaven. Well, Yes, that's true, but you're leaving out a whole bunch of stuff in the middle. Salvation includes this life, too. We're not going to be saved 
We're not going to be redeemed. We are redeemed. Now are we the sons of God. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. From the curse of the law. Come on, say it out loud. Christ Christ has redeemed me me. from the curse of the law. law. Now let me just give you a little tip. Uh, Somebody said, well, why why do you keep saying, say this, say that? Well, there are numerous reasons. For one, God created everything that exists with his words. This is how things work, whether you understand it or not. And the Bible said that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. He works with what we say. That's how you got born again. Is that right? If you'll believe in your heart and and confess or say with your mouth, he works with what you say. If you don't believe it enough to say it, you don't believe it enough to have it, to enjoy it. Can, can you see what I'm saying? Let me, so let me circle back around. Let's see if anybody else wants to get on this redeemed train with us. Is that right? Because we're going somewhere. Say it out loud. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Whether you understand it or not, get it in your mouth. Begin to declare it. Because the psalmist said, let the redeemed of the Lord let them do what? Say, so. say it. Say it. Say so. Say what? Well, among other things, say you're redeemed. Why, why is it important to say it? Because spiritual laws are involved. Same as how you got born again. It matters so much that you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth. Words Faith-filled words release power in the spirit. That affects things in the natural. Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. so, uh, Are you the redeemed of the Lord? Come on, say it again then. Christ Christ has has redeemed me me from the curse of the law. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. redeemed. What does redeemed mean? I've I've been bought back. I've been bought and set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like a slave that was hopelessly lost and had no control over their life and had no means of ever purchasing their own freedom, Christ has bought my freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm free. Among other things, and and, and one of the biggest things here, I'm free from the curse of the law. The, The way that happened is that he took our place and was made a curse for us. And it's written, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. So we got, here's the other side of the being redeemed. I'm redeemed from something. The curse of the law. I'm redeemed to something. The blessing of Abraham. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. If, if you really begin to get revelation on this, your spirit gets excited. And more than your head, because your head's going, what? What are we excited about? And your spirit says, well, just stay awake and you'll catch up here after a while. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed to the blessing of Abraham. I'm redeemed from what I couldn't get free from on my own. I'm redeemed to what I couldn't qualify for on my own. Jesus did it. I'm free from the curse of the law and I'm blessed with the blessing of Abraham. Now, do you know anything about Abraham? How did Abraham come out? Did it go well for him? Did he live long on the earth? 
Oh, man. So many. He received astounding miracles. Didn't he? He was used of God to accomplish astounding feats. It's amazing what happened with him. And yet, you and I are told because of what Christ has done for us and us receiving that, now we are blessed with him. His blessing is ours. Said out loud, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Abraham's blessing is mine. Abraham's blessing is mine. That's what it means to say I'm redeemed. And if we believe that, we should spend some time finding out these two things. What the curse of the law is, so we know what we've been redeemed from. And if the enemy tries to put it on us, we won't take it. We'll resist it. We'll say, uh-uh, no, no. You might, you might get by with that, some folks that don't know what, what's going on. But I know I'm redeemed. I know I'm redeemed from that. And we need to find out what the blessing of Abraham is. And I sense my series just getting longer and longer. <laughs> but it'd be worth spending a year on this. It really, and more. Because what else is more important to talk about? Then you've been redeemed. I want it to get in your spirit. I want it to get in your mind. I want it to get in your mouth. That on a Tuesday, in the middle of the day, you just go, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. On a Thursday night, as you lay down to go to bed, it just comes out of you, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law and given me the blessing. Of Abraham. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm free from the curse and full of the blessing. Glory to God. Well, go to Deuteronomy 28 and let's begin to talk a little bit about this curse that we have been redeemed from because. Uh, how are you going to lay hold of what you don't even know you've been redeemed from? Or I should say, how are you going to resist? How are you going to stay out of what you've been redeemed from? And how are you going to lay hold of the blessing you don't know? Well, time to find out. Time to be reminded. And if you've heard about it, I assure you there's more to hear. More to know. Deuteronomy 28 is uh, describes the blessing and the curse of the law. The blessing for keeping the law and the curse for not keeping the law. And there's some specific language that a lot of times people in our camps tend to avoid, but the Bible is right. There's no need to avoid something because you don't understand it. We're going to touch on some of that, I think, tonight. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. It shall come to pass, he said, if you'll hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all the commandments which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings... Oh, somebody say blessings, blessings. Shall come on you and overtake you. Praise God. That's like a blessing just running over you. It caught you and run over you. But it didn't hurt you. It just blessed you. Somebody says, what happened to you? You're like, you got hit. I got hit by the blessing truck. I was just going along and wham. <laughs> and look at all these blessings. All these blessings will come on you and overtake you if you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, a note to make here is for them to enjoy the blessing and get free from the curse, they had to obey the command. And they did not succeed for the most part in doing this. 
And so the scripture Galatians 3 goes into detail about that, that the man, you know, that the law was not of faith, that the person that did them would live by them. But Christ has achieved what we couldn't achieve through having to keep the commandments. He has done it for us and then given it to us. But that doesn't mean it's okay for us to disobey, to violate what we know is right. And uh, the way we qualify today is not by keeping specifically the uh, commandments and the statutes. But now, that doesn't mean that it's now okay to violate the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Is it okay now because we're in Christ to kill? Because we're not under the law. Or steal. Or lie. We're actually getting into some pretty significant things right here. Hold your place. Go to Galatians. Anybody like the scriptures? Oh my. Oh thank you Father. The answers, all the answers are here. All of them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Galatians 5 and 16. Well, if we're not keeping the law, what are we supposed to be doing now? Walking in the Spirit is what we do. He said, I say then, walk in the Spirit... And you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The laws were given to deter people yielding to wrong desires and wrong things. But it wasn't successful. Because if you're not born again and you don't have the spirit, you lack the power to overcome. So people kept yielding and yielding. And so animal sacrifice was implemented. People were sinning right and left so people could come and offer sacrifice of the animals and that animal blood could not take away sin. It could not cleanse the conscience. It could only cover it for a year and then remembrance was made again, typifying what would happen when our sacrifice, Jesus, went with his own blood into the Holy of Holies and offered a sacrifice that could not just cover but cleanse. Cleanse the conscience. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's why we don't continue to do animal sacrifice today because the ultimate and the final sacrifice has been made. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And his blood has paid it all. There doesn't need to be any other sacrifices. He said, walk in the flesh, excuse me, spirit. What are y'all laughing about? Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust or, or, or has a strong desire against the spirit. The spirit, a strong desire against the flesh. They're contrary to one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would now get this verse 18, but if, everybody say if, if, if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Hallelujah. Let me say it like this, you're not under the law what? If you're led by the Spirit. Now, as part of the law, let's just talk about the Ten Commandments. How many understand if you're lying? You're not being led by the Spirit. If you're stealing, you're not being led by the Spirit. Because when that thought and that temptation pulled on you to steal, if you're really born again, the Holy Spirit inside you checked you. No, don't do that. Right? You had to ignore that and override that. People say, well, we're not, we're not under the law anymore. It's not because 
the law is not good. It's still right. Thou shalt not kill. Shalt not steal. Shalt not lie. That's still good. That's still right. And you don't say, well, we're not under the law, so everything's okay for us. No, no. We've come up to a higher way of functioning. And if we're led by the Spirit, we don't have to have a list of do's and don'ts because the author of the book is inside us. Come on, can you see this? He's quickening to us, do this, don't do this, right? And if we're following him, we won't be breaking the Ten Commandments. We won't be violating what that was given for. It's not that that's done away with because, and now we can do anything we want to. No, that's, that was right. It's always right. We've just come up to a higher way of doing things. Everything in the new covenant is tied to being led by the Spirit. Everything. The answer to a thousand and one questions every day is be led. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He communicates with us. If we'll listen, he's inside. So the way we keep confidence and the way we're able to walk in our redemption is to listen to the Spirit. Listening to him and following him will keep us out of condemnation. Condemnation will undermine our faith and make us susceptible to the works of the enemy, even though we've been redeemed. Why'd you say that? Or you didn't like that part? All you got to do is look around. There are millions and millions of people living in sin and death and defeat. Although Jesus has already paid the price. Is that right? For all their sins. Why? There are millions of Christians who are having regular panic attacks, even though Jesus has given us his personal peace. He said, my peace I give to you. And he took the chastisement of our peace upon him and, and purchased and paid for us to walk in total peace. Is that right? Yes. And millions of Christians are suffering from all manner of sickness and disease and debilitating problems. Well, somebody says, well, if it was God's will for us to be healed, We'd be healed. Well, then if it's God's will for people to be saved, they'd be saved. It's done whether anybody receives it or not. But everything that God has given us that's been bought and paid for by Jesus, it doesn't just fall on you automatically. You have to believe it and you have to receive it. And that requires faith. And if you ignore what the Lord is directing you to do, that undermines your faith. And anything that messes with your faith is going to mess with your life. This is actually an answer to a lot of things here in Galatians concerning grace versus law. It's not a matter that we're done. If you're not going to be led by the Spirit, you're to at least be led by the Ten Commandments. Right? Somebody say, well, I, I, that don't apply to me anymore. If you're being led by the Spirit, you're not going to violate those things. But if you're not going to be led by the Spirit, you're to at least listen to the Ten Commandments. 
No, it's not a matter of doing away with all that because it wasn't good. It was right. Can you imagine when God wrote something with his finger in stone that it's right? That it's always going to be right? But you and I, having been born again, having the author of the book come to live inside us, we can walk a higher way. And verse 18 says, verse 18, Galatians 5, 18, if, everybody say if, if if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. I'm not under the law, I'm not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not. But if you're not going to listen to the Spirit, you ought to at least listen to the law. It's a higher way. Somebody got to chew on that a little bit. Verse 25 says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And 1 John talks about if our heart doesn't condemn us, then we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we receive of Him. So even though it's not a matter of us trying to qualify through keeping the laws and commands. We're not going to enjoy what has been bought and paid for unless we're able to lay hold of it with our faith. It's not a matter of qualifying for it. It's a matter of being able to receive it. And the enemy knows this. And if he can get you and keep you in disobedience, it'll undermine your faith. And you, two things you won't be strong to do. You won't be strong to receive, and you won't be strong to resist the devil. And if those two things are going on, the enemy's works will be in your life, and he'll, he'll accomplish what he set out to do for everybody, steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you and me of the blessing of Abraham. He wants us to live our whole life like we're not blessed. He, he wants the curse to be manifest, curse of the law to be manifested in our life. He wants us to live and act like we're not redeemed. And most people, that's exactly what's going on. But you and I believe the B-I-B-L-E. Come on, you and I believe Galatians 3.13 and 14 and We are not going to be passive and just think that everything just falls on you automatically. We realize not a matter of qualifying, but a matter of laying hold on what's been given and resisting. These are two things God does not do for us. Two things God does not do for us. No matter how much you cry, No matter how much you beg, no matter how much you need it, no matter how much you hurt, he doesn't resist the devil for us, and he doesn't receive for us. If he was going to make anybody receive anything, he'd make them receive Jesus so they wouldn't be lost. And if he's not going to make people receive Jesus as their Savior... He's not going to make people receive healing or the Holy Spirit or wisdom or anything else. He won't receive for us. That's our part. And he doesn't resist the devil for us. That's our part. And both of those require faith. Which is why we talk so much about it. Hmm? Why we got faith on the front of the building. And we got series galore on faith. And we got faith school. Faith, faith, faith. Why? Because we want you built up so that the enemy tries to mess with you. You shut him down. You resist him. And when you find out what belongs to you in Christ, you don't just wait passively. You lay hold of it. And you receive it. Amen. By faith. You got to hear something besides bad news and excuses to have that. 
you got to hear something that nourishes you up and builds you up and makes you able to lay hold of your inheritance in Christ. Christianity is not for the faint of heart. It requires strength and a lot of it. It really does. Now there's religion and you can do that, but there's nothing to it. But the real thing, it requires complete commitment to follow him and be a disciple. A lot of believers in Christ, not as many disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a student of the master, training to do what the master does. And that's what he wants all of us to be. Go back to Deuteronomy 28, please. Thank you, Lord. We talked about how we lay hold of these things today. And if somebody says, well, yeah, but that's all Old Testament, you know, that's that blessing and, and that cursing. Well, then why is it in Galatians 3? Well, that's got nothing to do with us. Galatians 3 has got something to do with us. It tells us that's, that's why Christ came. That's what happened when he redeemed us. Is he redeemed us from this. And got us the blessing of Abraham. So absolutely it applies to us. The thing is we don't lay hold of it the same way. Under the Old Testament it was about keeping the commands and, and the statutes. And, and that was it, just, it was just through technical obedience. And that didn't work. People fell short, fell short, fell short. Jesus came and gave us a way to actually get a hold of it. He paid for it. And now we still, though, have to receive it. And we still have to resist the enemy. I'm going to go over it again real slow. Two things God does not do for us. There has been all kind of wasted prayer. People begging God to make the devil quit. That's wasted prayer. He says, what? Yes. He told you to resist the devil and he would flee from you. Told us not to give the devil any place. And he doesn't receive for us. We have to lay hold. You know, 1 Timothy 6.12 says this. Fight the good fight of faith. And the next two words, lay hold. Oh, somebody say, lay hold. Lay hold. Mark 11.24, what things serve you desire? When you pray, believe that you receive them. That word receive is the same word that's other places in the same King James Bible translated T-A-K-E, take. Believe you take them and you shall have them. Say it out loud. Believe you take them. How, how do you take them? With a physical thing, you take it with a physical hand. But how do you take a spiritual thing? You, you believe you take it. You say, well, I don't see it and feel it. That's why you have to believe you take it. If you saw it, you wouldn't have to believe you take it. But believe you take them, and what did Jesus say? You shall have them. You, you got to believe you receive the blessing of Abraham. You got to lay hold on it. Say it's yours. Right? And I mean not just one time on a Friday night. Every time you think about it, and every time something comes up, you affirm it. And any t- anything tries to tell you you're not blessed, you refuse to receive it. You're, you're adamant about, I am blessed. The blessing of a- Was Abraham blessed? There's no question Abraham was blessed. Well, I've got, you've got the same blessing. You need to spend some time looking at Abraham, seeing what that blessing did in his life, and reminding yourself, I got that same blessing in my life. I got that same blessing on me. I am blessed with him, with Abraham. That's part of my redemption. Keep reading in Deuteronomy 28. He said, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. If you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed 
shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, that's your kids, your children, and the fruit of your ground, that's your crops, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of your kind, and the flocks of your sheep. Your children are blessed. Your, your crops are blessed. Your herds are blessed. Your flocks are blessed. Somebody say blessed, blessed, blessed. Now, what, what does blessed mean? What is, we, we, you know, read two or three weeks ago about how the Lord told them, you know, to let the land lie on the Sabbath, the seventh year. And they said, well, how is that going to work? And he said, I'm going to bless you the sixth year. And that blessing will cause your crops to produce three times what they normally would. So what does the blessing do? The blessing multiplies. The blessing causes to succeed. The blessing is enhancement. Causes increase. Amen. So he said your, your children will be increased and enhanced and prospered. Should we lay hold of this for our children? Should we? Yes. Your, your crops, your ground, your, your flocks, your herds. Well, you might say, well, I, I'm not in the cattle business. Well, whatever your business is. Come on, you got you to understand that they were an agrarian society. We're a little different, but as you finish reading, you can begin to see basically everything that's going on in your life has enhancement and increase and blessing. Verse 5, blessed shall be your basket and we could say blessed will be your store. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Well now you know you're, you're either going or coming. Right? And the Lord will cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. And they that come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Here's something else the blessing does for us. Amen. It's against our enemies. Causes confusion among our enemies. The Lord shall command the blessing on you. In your storehouses. Now storehouse. Is not what you operate out of. It's your savings. And here you have storehouses. Multiple. Places of savings. And, and the Lord was do what? Command. Blessing. On your storehouses. He must care about these things. Or he wouldn't be blessing a storehouse. People say, well, he don't care about those things. He used to. When did he change? When did he quit caring about that? He'll command the blessing on you in your storehouses. And in all you set your hand to. I told you it covered a lot of ground. All you set your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, and I get the blessing. I don't get the curse. I do get the blessing. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord shall establish you a holy people to himself as he sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they'll be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods. Not bads. <laughs> goods. Again, people say, well, God don't care about material things. He used to. Goods. Somebody say goods. goods. That's why, you know, we, we got on our confession on a regular basis. You know, our houses, our buildings, 
our lands, our equipments. What are those? Goods? Not bads. We don't want any bads. What kind of house you want? Good house, bad house? Good house. We got a car you want? Good a car, bad car. Good clothes, bad clothes? We don't want the bads. We want the goods. And apparently the Lord wants us to have the goods. He will make you plenteous. Now, all kind of people try to tell us that the Lord doesn't want you to have anything above a bare minimum to function. Well, if that's their belief, they can go ahead and live by it. But why do I have to live by their beliefs that they don't practice themselves? Why can't I believe this verse? The Lord will make you plenteous in goods. In the fruit of your body, fruit of your cattle, fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Thank you, Lord. The Lord will open up to you his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain to your land in his season, to bless all the work of your hand, and you'll lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. If everybody would decide to obey God, and respect Him and honor Him, and get rid of all the false gods out of our country, we could be so blessed. We are blessed, but not nearly as blessed as we could be. There is no reason on earth that we should owe trillions of dollars. It's just crazy. We should be so blessed. And so we are blessed. And we're also experiencing some things that are not blessing. Come on, all you got to do is open your eyes. Why? We also got millions of people that don't believe in God. In our country, people that worship other gods, false gods, and there have been all these moves by our own government to push God out of all kind of things. Well, the problem is when you push him out, you know what goes with him? The blessing, the protection. You can't say, I don't want you, but oh, I need this. Now, because there's still a lot of us in the country. He'll do things for the whole country just for our sakes. Just because we asked him to. He's a merciful God. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. But oh, I mean, think about what we have seen, how good that is. What if the limits were taken off? Oh, dear me. We wouldn't, everybody would be wanting to borrow from us. Right? Keep going. Verse 13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. <laughs> That's a good thing to say. Say it out loud. I'm the head, not the tail. You shall be above only and you shall not be beneath. We, uh, we live on top, not on the bottom. If you hearken to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe and do them. See, he keeps saying this about obeying. Now, again, we don't qualify by keeping the commandments, but the principle of obedience still applies. What do you mean by that? Well, hold your place. Go to the New Testament. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians, second chapter. I'm going to tell you, by the Spirit of God, from the Bible, what's wrong with the world. Amen. <laughs> it's a big statement. It's absolutely the answer. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the world. I didn't figure it out. I just read this. What do you mean? I'm, I'm going to tell you, the biggest problem on the planet no question chapter 2 verse 1 he says you Tomatus believers has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins 
wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. This 2 Corinthians 4.4 refers to this same one as the God of this world. And it's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about the enemy. The one who used to have the power of death until Jesus defeated and destroyed him at the cross, after the cross. But he is the prince of the power of the air. What spirit is this? The spirit that does what? That even right now is working in the children of what? Disobedience. This is the biggest problem on the planet. Rebellion. Defiance. Disobedience. Anything else. Everything else. God can fix. But if you harden your heart. And stiffen your neck. The Bible said you can be destroyed. Without remedy. What does that mean? There's no fix. There's no cure. What do you mean? If you won't listen to God. There's no fix for you. There's no help for you. This is the giant problem in the earth. And it goes right back to the spirit. The prince of the power of the air. The God of this world. What? What happened when there were only two human beings on the planet? What happened? The enemy came. And what did he do? As far as we know, the Lord told them one thing. Not to do. Is that right? So what does the enemy do? He comes and tempts them to do that. The one thing God told him not to do? This is no coincidence. What's it about? He is the spirit of rebellion. The spirit of defiance. The spirit of disobedience. And it pervades the earth atmosphere. You can see little ones. Two years old. Hadn't been on the surface of the earth but a few months. Get stirred up and get mad and go, no, no, no. People laugh. It ain't funny. That can destroy your life. Totally destroy your life. And if you keep yielding to it, you can get to the place where there's no fixing it. You'll run out of time. You can be lost forever. Or if you are saved, but you won't obey other things, it can cost your relationships, cost your place, cost your profession, etc., etc., etc. Anything else God can fix. If you humble yourself, listen to Him, admit you're wrong, He's right, make the commitment. To obey him. Do what he tells you to do. Doesn't matter what's wrong. He can fix it. Is it true or not? I don't care what's wrong with you physically. He can fix it. I don't care what's wrong with you mentally. I don't care what's wrong with you financially. He can fix it. He gives his grace. To the humble. Oh but if you harden your heart. You got attitude. Nobody can tell you what to do. This is the biggest problem on the planet. Governments can't fix this. No amount of psychology can fix this. It's a heart problem. It's a heart issue. And only the individual can choose to humble themselves and be teachable and correctable. And obey. 
Our society doesn't even like that word. Obey. Obey? <laughs> I don't obey. Well, and if you're that way with people, it's because you're that way with God. Well, there, there's overlap. There's no such thing as you, you won't listen to anybody, but you listen to God. That's simply deception and confusion. Why are we talking about this? Because time after time after time, he talking about all these blessings, he would stop and say, if you obey. Right? And then we'll see when it comes to the curse, he'll say, if you don't obey. Somebody says, well, you're, you're back to the law, Brother Keith. No, I'm not. We're not talking about qualifying. But if you disobey under the new covenant, what's going to happen? Your heart's going to bother you. Can you see that? Your heart will bother you. Your own heart will condemn you, whether you admit it or not, and you don't have confidence toward God. That's your faith. And you don't have faith to resist, and you don't have faith to receive, so you're not going to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. God gave the promised land to his people. Millions of them never enjoyed it. They wandered around out there in the wilderness. You remember this? Wandered around out there and died young and lived hard and died wrong. Why? The Bible said, Hebrews talks about God had already given it to them. The works were finished before the foundation of the world. For them to have it and enjoy it. Why? Because they wouldn't listen. They would not listen. Several things he did to teach them and help them. You remember the manna test? Anybody remember the manna test? What did he say? Go out and get it. Don't save it. Don't save it. So what did they do? They saved it. Then he said, on the sixth day, you'll gather twice as much and you can save it the sixth day, but don't go out on the Sabbath to get some. So what did they do? They went to get it. Basically, whatever he said don't do, they did it. When he said do it, they wouldn't do it. Now you're laughing. But do you know how many people in the world are just that way? But that's not the big question. The big question is are you that way? Right? You can't control everybody else. Are you that way? Am I that way? Why? Because it puts you in a place where you can't be helped. I know that's a giant statement. But I just quoted scriptures to you. If you harden your heart. You stiffen your neck. You won't listen. Then you can be destroyed. Without remedy. What does that mean? There's no fix. There's no cure. Oh. But if you'll humble yourself. Right? Jesus said come learn of me. I'm meek. And lowly of heart. You'll find rest to your souls. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know your your previous influences. I do know this. If you want it to go well with you. We started talking about that. What did that scripture say? It talked about children. Obey your parents. Went on to say honor your father and mother. Why? Because the first thing you're supposed to be learning in life is how to obey and how to show respect. Your parents don't have to be perfect for you to learn this lesson. If you don't learn it, if you don't learn submission and obedience and respect, it will not go well with you and you'll probably be cut off before your time. Are we looking at scriptures? So people are proud of how stubborn they are and how they don't have to listen to anybody. And you don't. You don't have to listen to anybody. But it will cost you. Oh, it will cost you. And the ones that experience the blessing are the believers. And believers keep their faith high and strong by listening to the Holy Spirit. Right? And when He directs you and prompts you, you don't argue, you obey. Is obedience still a very good thing? Oh, 
It's so important. It's protection. It's blessing. If the Lord deals with you to do something, obey quickly. Not having to understand. It can save you from so many things. Just obey. Help your neighbor out and say, just obey. Just, just, just obey. <laughs> obey. Thank you, Lord. We are not to let this pervasive spirit of disobedience influence us. It's all around you. And all the secular TV shows are full of it. They're full of defiance and rebellion and disrespect and disobedience. It's feeding people through the internet, through the music. Popular music is just full of defiance and rebellion, disobedience. Why? That's the spirit of the prince of the power of the air. That's the spirit of the God of this world. That's what he's influencing. And anybody that will push that, he will help promote them to fame. It'll destroy them on the way, but he wants to use them while he can to get his message out. What's his message? You don't have to listen to anybody. Don't listen to anybody. Tell everybody. Get off your case. You'll do what you want, when you want, the way you want. People don't realize that is the nature of the devil himself. That's what got him where he is. That's what's going to put him in the lake of fire. And everybody that chooses him instead of God going to wind up right there with him. Somebody say, not me. Not me. By the grace of God. Grace not, me. not me. I'm not defiant. I'm not, defiant. I'm not rebellious. I'm not, rebellious. I'm, not I'm not disobedient. That means you, you bow your knee to the headship of Jesus. You submit yourself. And how many understand that's the prerequisite for making the devil get out of your case? Is that, isn't that what it says? Let's, let's go there and look at it again. Somebody might not know. James, fourth chapter. Thank you, Lord. Keep coming back. We'll get to Deuteronomy 28. We started in it, right? We, we started in it. We're making progress. James 4 and verse 6. It says, but he, God, gives more grace. With enough of God's grace, you can get free from anything. You can recover from anything. You can, how, how many believe this? I'm not just talking. Huh? How many believe the grace of God is awesome? When you say grace, you're saying way more than you even know you're saying. What is his grace? It's all of his ability. It's all of his help. It's all of his strength that he just gives to you as a free gift. If you just said it like that, would you believe with enough of his help, you can overcome any addiction, any failure, any, pro any deficiency with enough of his help? You might have floundered and failed at it for 500 times, but the Spirit of God can quicken you and put strength in you and open up your heart and mind and give you help, and next time, you don't yield to it. Next time, you're free. Do you believe with enough of His grace, with enough of His help, even though something seems like a miracle too great to try to believe for, all you need is some more help from Him. Is that right? With, with more grace from Him, you can receive anything. You can overcome anything with enough help from him. But who's going to get this help? I tell you who's not going to get it. The proud, the defiant, the stubborn, the disobedient. The world is proud of these qualities. They're proud that they're proud. They're proud that nobody can tell them what to do. Just shows how you know, this pervasive spirit is all over the world. You and I are to be radically different. We're to be like our master. He said, learn of me. 
I'm meek. I'm meek. He said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're being hard-headed, you're not being humble. If you're being defiant, you're not being humble. You're refusing to listen, you're not being humble. There are times, more than just once in your lifetime too, times when you need to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. No excuse. I was wrong. I repent. You need to humble yourself before God, sometimes before people. You're right. I was wrong. I should have listened. I'm changing it right now. (laughs) Don't make any excuses. Just repent. Why? Because that causes grace, help to flow to you. Come on, can you see that? It'll give you favor with the people you're talking to. It'll help you to make the change. But if you get defiant, you get attitude, you blame everybody else, you won't get any help. And without God's help, you won't make it. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Anybody want grace? I'm telling you, you want grace. You want lots and lots of grace. You want more grace. And the Bible said he gives more grace. But who who does he give it to? Not the proud. He resists the proud. You don't come to him with attitude. Acting like he owes you something. Tell him you'll do it if you want to. You won't if you don't. Well you're on your own. Dummy. It's going to be hard. You're going to find out the hard way. But if you'll be teachable. If you'll be directable, correctable, if you'll humble yourself, be willing to obey, admit it when you're wrong, repent, grace will flow to you. Help will flow to you. Favor will come to you from the throne of grace. Can you say amen? Amen. And with enough help from him, you can overcome anything. You can recover from anything. You can receive any miracle with enough help from him. Verse 7, what comes next? After receiving this grace, do what? Submit yourself. Now here's the thing. Nobody's going to make you do this. Nobody can make you do this. You're the only one who can submit yourself. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. None of this will make me act right. We can't. Make me do it. God's not going to make you do it. We're not supposed to try to make you do it. You have to bring yourself to and submit yourself under God and those he tells you to. Submit yourselves. Who's going to do it? You're the only one that can. You are submitting yourself. Nobody's making you do this. You're coming voluntarily. You initiated this. You're submitting yourself to him. Then what can happen? When you give God his place over you, you take your place under him and no defiance, then the devil has to take his place under you. Oh, hallelujah, because he's been placed under the Lord's feet. And when you're giving God his place over you, And you resist the devil. That's why he flees. He has no choice. Because of where you're at under God. He has to flee. He has to leave. When he's trying to bring the curse in your life. That you've been redeemed from. You're not obeying to keep the law. But you do want to obey God to keep your faith. And when you're humbling yourself and obeying. You're in a position of power. You're in a position to tell the devil to get out of your house. And he has to go. Oh, hallelujah. To take his hands off of your child. And he has to go. To take his hands off of your finances. And he has to go. Has to. Has to. Has to. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. Let's lift our hands. 
Let's give thanks to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. Let's give praise to the Lord our Redeemer. Oh, come on, lift your hands. Lift your praise. Lift your voices. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming me. Oh, my Redeemer, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you, Lord, my Redeemer. My Redeemer. My Redeemer.